Return to Camp Blood, Episode 71, Community Spotlight with Brandon Murphy. This episode is brought to you by Mad Science Studio. Jesus Christ. Jason's alive. He killed my friend, now he's coming to me. He's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I'm Mrs. Ward, an old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs in hell. You're doing if you stay here. Never come back again. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I'm your host, Eric, joined by my fellow counselor, Nathan. What's up, guys? Tonight, we have a special guest, freelance sculptor, graduate from the Master of Macabre, Tom Savini's School of Special Effects, from Mad Science Studio. Welcome to the show, Brandon Scott Murphy. How are you doing tonight, Brandon? I'm doing good, guys. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> right on. We're happy to have you, man. Uh, I ran into you at Horror Hounds, and uh, what caught my eye was, of course, your sculpts of uh, Part 6, Part 7, and uh, your life-size Part 7 that you've sculpted, uh, Jason. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the wow. I mean, that's, that, that's all I've got, because the detail is second to none. I mean, it's almost like a couple people I've seen try to do what you've done. And have fallen short of your quality. And, uh, I mean, uh, what, what drew you to Friday the 13th or the horror genre to begin with? Oh, man. Oh, lots of things. Um, first of all, I want to say you, you humble me, second to none. <laughs> um, secondly, uh, really just, you know, my mom, she is always super supportive of my love for all things gross and, and, and ghoulish and, you know, mm-hmm. gory and everything like that. And, 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 you know, she kept telling me, as long as you understand that this stuff's not real, I'll let you watch whatever you want to watch. You know, and if you come into my room late at night, waking me up because you're afraid, that's when it's over, you know? Yep. And um, so that was my childhood. You know, I'm not going to say I, I was a toddler watching Jason Slaughter Counselors or anything, but I was, I was, I was young, you know, I was, I was probably seven or eight, you know, from, yeah, you know, pitching a fit because I mean, it, finally she ended up having to buy me the VHS copy of part seven, particularly because I would just rent it nonstop from the local video store. I mean, I mean, it was cheaper for us. To, <laughs> it was cheaper for us to buy it from them and just take it home than it was for us to just keep renting, you know, renting it over and over. Um, but I just, you know, I was obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed with it. I made my first Jason costume when I was 10, 10 or 11 years old. <laughs> You know, and uh, man, I finished it in the middle of summer and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I wore it outside in the blistering heat in Mississippi. I'm from Mississippi, by the way. And uh, I don't know. I just know that there are a few neighbors that probably thought I was going to grow up to be a not so nice kind of guy. You know, it it happens to the best of us. I promise. <laughs> sure, sure. So with that being said about part seven, uh, you know, since you mentioned that specifically, and of course you do the life-size part seven on top of uh, the other seven masks. Is that, is that your favorite of the franchise is part seven? Uh, it's the favorite Jason, the favorite Jason. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, definitely my favorite Jason. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I go back and forth with the film. It has a certain nostalgic quality to me. Like I said, you know, it was the only movie that I owned on VHS, the only Friday movie I had on VHS at the time, because I small town, Mississippi, you just couldn't find stuff like that. I mean, I, I, 
you know, it just, I don't know. We had to buy videos from the local grocery store that also doubled as a tanning bed. You know what I mean? Like it was, sure. um, so, you know, I just, it was, it was one of those things, you know, it was like a grocery store, a tanning bed, a pizza shop and a video store, you know, and we had, she ended up buying me the movie and that was the only one that they, that, that they had more than one copy of that they were willing to sell, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just watched it. I obsessed over it over and over and over. And I would, and then of course that led to me falling back into the other, you know, films in the franchise. And I would watch them all, just every chance I got, every single chance I got. And um, so Part Seven's definitely got that nostalgic quality for, for me. You know, it reminds me of sitting in a beanbag chair in my living room, scared out of my mind. You know, um, absolutely. But my favorite is my favorite film. I mean, it's got to be Part Six. I know, I know, everybody says that, but man, that's a that's a good movie. Like, like I think that's what makes the Friday the Thirteenth movies so good is the nostalgia, you know. Because we we all the Friday fan base is so huge, and we all love it for the same reasons. And like I said, it's being up at midnight watching this this these movies in a dark room, scared out of your mind, and that's what we remember. And so that's why as adults we go back to those movies, and and and, and there's just nothing like it. There's no other franchise out there that captures the magic. For some reason, quite like those movies. But if you ju- if you judge them all by their own individual merits, they're not very well made in terms of like, like technically made. The hell you say? <laughs> well, just hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> they all have these moments in them. Every single one of them, moments of brilliance that are just ooh so good. You know, be it the music in one film or the effects in another film or a certain actor in one of them that is just so good or you know, there's something about each individual film that's just so good. But part six has them all. Part six has has good directing, good acting, good writing, good effects, good cinematography. Like like across the board, part six is just a damn good movie, like in its own right. Like, you know, if you if you take Jason out and you replace Jason with somebody else, just a, 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 another killer or something, that movie is still just as good, you know. Oh, I agree, definitely. And you can't really say that for any of the other films. Unfortunately, you just can't. You can't take Jason out of any of the other films and still have people that want to watch them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It 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 it, it does. It makes sense. I I connected more with part four, uh, the final chapter. Uh, that was uh, what that Nightmare on Elm Street one came out the same year in '84, uh-huh. and. So I watched those and I mean, I was addicted immediately. I mean, Hellraiser came out not too long after that. And, uh, but Jason always stuck with me and the things that I remembered, like him going into the water and, uh, and sinking and disappearing and coming up, you know, and getting Tommy or whatever. I, I never realized how many callbacks I came to part six just growing up and you're right that it does have everything i don't enjoy the comedy aspect of it Mm -hmm. but a psychologist would say that a horror movie and a comedy plays on the same part of your brain sure sure and other than his neon yellow gloves oh yeah it's pretty badass (laughs) yeah no i totally agree like my favorite just my image and and that's why like i had it in my brain to do a part six sculpt because i just had to get it out you know and 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 as an artist especially as an artist that's so heavily influenced by friday stuff i just 
I go through phases where I just have to get a Jason out of my body. I, I have to get it out of my brain. I can't stop thinking about it. And everything else that I do, it's like, oh, I just want to do Jason, you know? And, 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 and finally, when I get it out, and I'm good for a few months, you know? Like, I'm kind of jonesing for another Jason fix right now. And so I'm trying to figure out what to do. But that's, that's a whole other topic. Well, actually, actually we, that is something we can definitely talk about. But uh, with that in mind, for uh, our listeners out there that, that did attend MaskFest uh, in Indianapolis, Brandon had a booth set up there. And I was able to, you know, definitely check out the life size, which was absolutely badass. The pictures did not uh, do it any justice that I had seen that you had posted before um, it, compared to what it truly looks like. I mean, the pictures, it looks awesome. Uh, I remember seeing the video clip that you posted and it looks badass. But when you see it in person, you're just like, wow, I need to have one of those. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, you know that the, 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 the figure didn't come around until later. We actually did. Um, me and a good friend of mine named Lance, um, Lance is kind of the person who got me into this whole mask making thing and bust making thing. Cause I used to be obsessed with effects makeup and I thought that effects makeup was the way to go. You know, I mean, I, I've wanted to do that stuff since I was a little kid, you know, and I just, you know, was obsessed and, and, and I don't know, you know, growing up in Mississippi, you don't really have a whole lot of options, you know? Well, you and, did go to the Tom Savini school, correct? Yes. Yes. So, I, so I why don't you just start from start from Tom Savini and we'll and then tell us how you got to making the Jason bust in the life size. Sure. Sure. Well, I I, uh, I started Savini school in 2006. Um, I was fresh out of high school, man. I mean, I was I was wet behind the years. And like I said, I had never been anywhere in the country other than Mississippi and bam, moving to Pennsylvania, you know, and um, I, I was only out of high school for a month. I think, you know, I graduated early just to, just to move, uh, move up there and get settled in by the time the next class started. Um, and it was a great experience. I mean, I mean, I, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of people, especially makeup effects artists, you know, it, they're always teeter tottering or you know, on the fact of, Oh, our makeup school's good or our makeup school's bad or et cetera. But I took a lot away from it, you know, and I learned a lot. And it's, you know, I, it's one of those things that I wish I was there for two more years because you don't really start to develop as an artist right away. You just don't, you know. And right. so, you know, I didn't really get into it and actually understand what I was doing until, geez, probably the last four or five months, you know. And then it was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I get I get what this is about, you know. Right. And and so you start to develop those skills and push yourself and. uh so, you know, I graduated from there and moved right back to Mississippi um, in 2008 and uh, pretty much lived there until 2010, you know, and I did little stuff here and there, sculpted a little bit for myself when I had the time, you know, because, man, those student loans creep up on you. But, um, you know, worked on some film stuff that was in the area, just little, little, little stuff. But, you know, it was always the thirst for more and the hunger for more. And it's like, no, this isn't what it's about. But like, I know that this is not what I went to school for. Like, like, like I went to school to make this a full-time thing, you know? And, um, so fast forward a few years and, uh, I ended up moving to South Carolina, which is where I'm at now. And, um, I, I just met this artist out here who, his name's Lance Coulter. Um, he's been a professional working sculptor and artist for geez, longer than I've been alive, you know. And he's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. 
And I met him uh, through a job listing, I want to say on Craigslist, um, that was just kind of like a, you know, full-time effects studio looking for somebody else to come help out, you know? And so I just sent him an email, and next thing you know, we're talking on the phone. I'm showing him, you know, I'm, tell, I'm telling him the same thing I'm telling you, you know, about this is what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be this guy who does this stuff. And, and man, I love Jason. And, man, I love Slashers and all this stuff, you know. And the only difference was, you, you know, I, 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 like I said, I had sculpted a little bit in my own time when I had the time. And, and, and he liked what he saw. And, and he was kind of like, well, come out here for a few days. We'll see how you do in the shop. We'll get to know each other a little bit better. And so I did. We made the drive out there. And he, uh, you know, he was great. And, I mean, the next thing you know, he, uh, you know, he offered me the position. He was like, yeah, absolutely. He was like, if I'm going to have somebody else here helping me run things, it's got to be you. And so I did that, and that's when I learned his side of the thing. He was this, in it for the same reasons I was, except he was a Freddy guy, not a Jason guy. You know, he still loves Jason, but man, you, you know, you have, it's like Beatles and the Stones. You have one or the other. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, it's not to say that, he, you know, a Friday guy can't love Nightmare and a Nightmare guy can't love Friday, but if you had to pick one, you know, so... He was a Freddy guy. And so we would just have conversation after conversation about everything under the sun related to those two characters, you know. And, you know, we realized that we're the same person, <laughs> you know. Like, we're the same guy. Just, 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 you know, I'm a Jason guy and he's a, he's a Freddy guy. So uh, I learned his side of the things, which, you know, he got into it like I did to do makeup effects for film and stuff like that. But he realized very early on that it's like, hey, if you wanted to do that, you have to really be in certain areas of the country that aren't here. So what you can do in addition to that is you can make masks and busts and displays and collectibles and just really high-end stuff that as a kid growing up, we would have killed to have, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, so that's what, you know, he kind of showed me that because, like, that's all his business is based around. And, and you know, he does very well for himself. And so then I realized I could do that too, you know? And... um so I worked for him for a few years, and that's actually when I did my part seven was when I was working for him, the the bust, you know. And, you know, we always talked about doing costumes and stuff like that. I mean, he, he's – I'm not trying to make this all about Lance, but he's just, he's just a great guy. But uh, he actually sculpted one of the very first Silicon Freddy masks on the market way back in the early 2000s, you know, um, and has since done multiple variations of Freddy's silicone masks for multiple companies. You know, it's just something that he's obsessed with. So he understood when I was like, I want to sculpt a Jason, you know, and he was like, do it. Absolutely. He's like, I'm here with you. I'll help you out. I'll, I'll coach you. I'll give you pointers on what to do, you know, and, 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 and if you, if I see something that needs to change, I'll let you know. I was kind of like a student under him, you know? And, um, so we had always joked about the idea of doing a, me doing a, a Jason costume, a part seven Jason costume. And, he was the one that helped me put it all together. He was, you know, I sculpted the head and uh, fabricated the hands. And he sculpted the chest piece, which was something that he actually just had laying around. Like, he sculpted it decades ago. And he just had it laying around. He was like, I don't know. It's just a zombie chest. I mean, if you want it, you know, you can use it. And so, um, and so we put that together and we fabricated this back piece with the spine and everything, you know, and we fabricated kneecaps and shin bones and just the whole nine. And we put it all together in time for Halloween last year. And it was like, holy cow, this turned out, this turned out really well, you know? And um, so I, I put it up online and man, that sucker went viral so fast. Like it just, 
It was on Bloody Disgusting. It was on Dread Central. It was on freaking Movie Pilot. Like, it just all these places just just started popping up all over the place. And um, I don't know. It was a, it was it was a cool experience to say the least. And um, then that's when the life size figure came into play. It was one of those things where what are we going to do with it when it's not when we're not wearing it, you know? And um, another buddy of mine that I worked with as well in various capacities, his name is Greg Duffy. He is a very experienced full figure builder. As a matter of fact, it's one of his specialties. He's very good at putting together full figures and bases and stuff like. That. And um, so he put together uh, this this figure for it, you know, using a, just a foam body form, you know, and we articulated the arms and we. Uh, you know, mounted the costume to it and put the speaker system on the inside so that it played, you know, it plays three different bits. It plays the classic, you know, I want to say it's from part two, the classic Harry Manfredini, you know, um, score. And then it plays the opening monologue from part seven, the whole death curse monologue, you know, that they go through whenever the, mm-hmm. the flashback's happening. And then it plays just the classic, you know, classic, um, which I'm sorry that, say the batteries on that sound unit ran out by the time you got to the booth (laughs) um but i don't know it was just really cool you know so it was kind of like this collaboration between three different guys from three completely different worlds and for some reason you know we decided to do a jason figure you know and it was cool it was just really neat so the life size is basically is that something that you're currently offering for sale because i don't think i've seen a link to the to the life size. Oh gosh, um, I mean, we could totally make more if anyone. Um, we could totally make more. Um, but it's not it's not something that I currently am like just putting out there. Like, hey, buy this retail like on the store right now. But if somebody were to come to us, come to me, um, we could absolutely replicate that. No problem. Absolutely, sure. sure. You know, um, if somebody's willing to to to, to you know ante up and, and 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 make it so we can do it, man, we'll do it in a heartbeat. And that stuff ain't cheap. No, no. It takes <laughs> up a lot of space, and most people just don't have that kind of dis- you know display space for sure, something sure. that large. Well, actually, see, I thought about that. He actually breaks apart at the waist and the feet, so you can store him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, nobody wants to store Jason. Come on, no. No, 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 not at all. But then, of turn, you also have the option of your display bus, which make awesome display pieces, you know, especially to put a mask on and you can kind of kill two birds with one stone and have a, put a mask on it. And they're, they're just, they don't take up that much space. And absolutely, uh, you can, you can fit several of those compared to, you know, the space a life size takes up. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can, um, you know, that was, that was kind of, like I said, that was kind of my first draw was going towards Jason busts and stuff. And it was nothing that hadn't been done before, but it's just, I hadn't done it. I needed to get it out of my system. I needed to do it, you know? And uh, so the you know the part seven went over really well. People seemed to like it, you know. And um, you know, and I offer them as everything I do, I offer wearable versions too. So the you know the head on the figure is the mask that I used for the team. It's the wearable version, you know. Um, and you know, I always make sure to sculpt in eye holes and stuff and disguise them so that. That's one of the biggest things for me is whenever you're wearing a really cool mask and bam, you have this huge cutout eye hole and it just it, it breaks the illusion, you know. And so I always like in the part seven, I sculpted it inside the the all the, you know, the overgrown fleshy kind of inside the skull socket. You know, it's all you know, that's where the eye holes are hidden because you don't see them. You know, they're all hidden in there, you know, and the same thing with the part six and the 
in the you know the the, the missing eye where all the all the flesh is kind of grown over into the skull. And that's where I sculpted the eye holes in so that they're hidden. You know, so people can have the option of just getting a completely uncut displayable version, or if they want to use it in a costume, they can still do that too. You know, the display is the. Oh, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Is the medium that you use latex, or do you do silicone as well? Uh, I can do silicone. I typically work in latex just because it's cheaper and it's more affordable for people. Um, I've been toying with the idea of doing some silicone. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, but right now, it's just latex is 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 easy to come by um, and it's affordable for for people. You know, um, not to say that silicone isn't. It's just it's kind of a different market. You know. Um, oh yeah. But yes, the answer is yes. I can do silicone. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I've ordered masks from well from hoods to masks from different companies and all of them have one thing in common that is not like yours and that is you don't have any seam lines when for the mold together none i mean where it should be it's blended perfectly well well thank you i i appreciate that very very carefully <laughs> very very carefully removed the seam line is always a trick it's always a tricky spot for for masks, you know, a lot of that has to do with the mold making process, um, and 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 that's something that I learned pretty early on um, was very very important because if you hire, you could hire the best sculptor in the world to come in and sculpt the most incredible thing that you've ever seen in your life, but if the person who's supposed to mold it doesn't do their job right, then the, the sculpture's lost, you know. Yep. Um, so it's all you know. The mold making is 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 very 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 important. Um, particularly for that reason. So, you know, A, so you can, you know, pull many copies out of the same mold and the structural integrity of the mold doesn't degrade over time. It will anyway, but you, you know, a good mold maker will always do his best to lessen the, the, the wear of time. Does that make sense? The, oh, yeah. the better a mold's made, the longer it'll last. You know, there's, there's a shelf life on everything, but if you make a good mold, it'll outlive you and probably your kids, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and B is to minimize the appearance of a seam line. So the illusion isn't broken. You can't look at it and and instinctively say, wow, that's a mask, you know? Right. Um, yeah, they're just very, very, very carefully removed. Um, you know, just with a Dremel, you know, with a very fine nylon brush tip, um, just very, very carefully buffed away, you know, um, it's actually a pretty simple process. It just takes patience. And, I mean, people that are churning them out, I now see, with you saying that, now I know they're just churning them out and not worrying about what quality they send out. And that shows in your work amazingly well. Well, I, I appreciate that. And not, oh, I, I do. <laughs> I appreciate it a lot. That's that's just amazing. That I mean... Even I mean I we don't normally we don't touch on uh things that aren't Jason related on the show, but uh yeah guys if you get a chance to look at Mad Science Studios on Facebook, it's jaw dropping. I mean, wow. I mean you've become you you've become a master. That's uh, I I don't see any Padawan learner uh in that at all. Oh goodness. <laughs> 
goodness. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, and I hope I still have a long way to go. Otherwise, it's going to get pretty boring. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate that, though. Thank you. I do have a question, though, <clears throat> about your, sure. display, your display bus. Um, sure. I did get a chance to check them out briefly at MaskFest. Like I said, I didn't actually get to catch you at your table. We were busy with some other stuff, and, of course, it was the last day. But um, as far as the, the display versions, I'm assuming that you probably just foam fill those. Is that correct? I do offer both. Like, like you know, foam filling is a little bit more expensive because of the extra material. Um, so some people prefer to have masks foam filled. Some people prefer them to be hollow for display purposes. I can do both, you know, okay. and, I, and I offer both. Um, you know, it's not something that people do too very much often because it, it, it does jump the price up just a little bit, but typically I offer just the, the regular hollow versions that require stands. And if somebody asks, Hey, can you foam fill this? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I can. It's just not something that, that people always go to serious collectors will serious collectors. I've noticed do prefer their items foam filled that way. If they do, because a lot of collectors have so much stuff and they tend to go in cycles, they'll cycle out what they have on display. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, and so, it's a lot easier to store a foam-filled item and and ensure that it doesn't get you know wrinkled or not that mine will like easily. It's you know they're they're, they're even the hollow ones are cast very thick. And tend to hold their shape very well, but it's just one of those things. It's like if you put it in the bottom of a closet and stack a bunch of boxes on top of the box that it's in, in six months' time, it's probably not going to look too pretty, <laughs> you know. Um, True. So, um, you know, serious collectors like to have stuff foam filled that I've noticed, so that way, you know, they can store it and put it in storage somewhere and not have to worry about the shape or 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 the condition of it when they remove it from storage. Yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. That's kind of why I was asking myself, you know, I've been debating, you know, when it's going to be time to make the next purchase. And of course, you know, a foam filled for me is the way to go. So I was just curious what you did on those. No, absolutely. I agree. And, um, you know, I do have to say, I mean, you know, one of the properties of latex over the time as the material vulcanizes and, and, and cures, um, latex shrinks. It's, it's kind of like old people, how their noses continue to grow. Latex continues to shrink. It just happens, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen even in a span of a few years, but in 10 or 15 years, you'll notice a definite difference, you know? And so foam filling is a great way to not only ensure that your item is displayed very well and very, you know, kind of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's displayed in a way that is, is, is not going to degrade over time, but it's also going to look exactly like it looks, you know, for a long time, very long. So we, we mentioned uh, possible future Jason projects. What what do you anticipate probably being your next endeavor? Well, um, I am seriously tossing around the idea of doing a silicone Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> awesome. Because nobody's done it, and it's, the, Nobody. and, it's, and it's the perfect medium to do it in silicone. I think it would be incredible. Um, the movement would be so good. I just know it, it, would, be, it would be awesome. Um, I actually, I've been in, the, I've been in the process of restoring a very, very, very old, um, K and B master of a Jason, like the Jason goes to hell vacuum form master. Um, a guy, uh, that I, that, that, that I ran into, um, had one and it was made out of uh, fiberglass, you know, and it, it was essentially, I'm not saying it came from K and B, but it was essentially from that mold. You know, it was, a, it was just a fiberglass version of that mold. 
Um, but it was just broken to pieces, you know, and it was one of those things where he was like, Oh, I'm just going to throw it away. And I was like, well, dude, I can totally put this back together. Like, I think that would be really cool to have, you know? And so I've been in the process just off and on in, in, in my downtime over the past year or so, you know, putting it back together and bondoing everything and sanding and bondoing and sanding and bondoing and, you know, putting little details and stuff in there so that I'll have it for myself. And then through doing that, I was like, man, I really want to do a Jason Goes to Hell, you know, you know, you know, under mask. I think that would be that would be awesome. And so then I started thinking about, well, everybody's done latex, like do silicone. That'll be cool. Mm-hmm. So that I'm, I'm I'm I keep coming back to that one. You know, I've been wanting to do that for a few months now, longer than a few months. And it keeps on coming back into my brain. So that'll probably be the next thing. It's just one of those things that it's kind of, you know, you always have to find that balance of, of of stuff you can do for yourself and then stuff you can do for other people. You know, for every two or three items you make that are obviously just made to, you know, so that you can sell things and so that you can keep the gears turning. You have to make one or two things for yourself to keep yourself from going crazy. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm looking at your mask and I'm looking at the webbing that's on it. So, I mean, that's like the opening scene when the casket comes off and after he gets struck with lightning, you see everything and wow. I mean, you've got some serious, serious detail off of that. And when you were sculpting that, did you just go off of like that scene or? Yeah. Um, pretty much. Um, the, the one thing I try to do in all of the characters that I sculpt is I think of a moment in the film that like is, you know, that's that, like when I think of that scene in the movie, that's what, that, that, like when I think of that character from that film, I typically think of a scene or a screen cap, if you will. You know, for the part seven, it was, mm-hmm. it was when he stands up and pulls the cord off of his neck and he's so pissed off, you know, and, and, you know, at the end. And, and that's the moment for me that when I think of part seven, Jason, I think of that moment when he stands up, they're in the basement and he pulls the cord off of his neck from the light and he's just so fucking pissed off. And that, mm-hmm. that to me is like, mm, I want to sculpt that, you know? And so that's why, you know, my version of the, uh, uh, you know, my part seven is, is, is not a hundred percent accurate by any means. I don't, I don't claim that it is, but he's definitely got the expression, you know, he, he looks angry and he looks mad and, and, and I don't know. I try to convey that expression from that scene. And so for the part six, you know, when I think of part six, Jason, I think of when he stands up out of the grave and he's just standing there. And it starts raining and all the worms and all the maggots are falling off at his feet. I think it's such a cool shot, such a cool image Mm -hmm. of him just standing there in the rain. And Tommy's scared out of his mind because he realizes what just happened, you know. And I think it's just that that's what I think about when I think about that character. And so that's why I put the cobwebs on him, you know, which is a pain in the butt um, to make him look real. It's, it's, oh yeah it's oh man I, it was what a learning curve that was i was trying to figure that out for at least a week but i found i, I found a way to do it that seems to work so um you know and and one of the first things that i realized i should do if i'm going to sculpt characters that are this iconic is to reach out to the people that did them originally you know i mean mm-hmm. a lot of the makeup effects artists and the sculptors who did these characters are still around and more often than not, they're pretty nice guys, you know, they're pretty, oh, yeah. they're pretty cool people, you know. And so when I uh, decided I wanted to do a part six, I reached out to the, a makeup effects artist in, in Los Angeles by the name of Brian Wade. 
and Brian Wade sculpted and, and applied the the part six makeup to CJ, CJ Graham, for the opening sequence. And um, I was just like, hey, Brian, you know, I'm working on a new character portrait. I know you're super busy, and he is. The guy's constantly working, and he's incredible. Um, but do you have any photos that that uh, of this makeup? Because, you know, a thing for makeup artists is, you know, continuity shots. You know, that way you can match the makeup if you ever have to reapply it. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him if he had any photos, um, you know, of the makeup. And sure enough, he, you know, he uh, he scanned uh, a couple of Polaroids that he had laying around. Um now, granted, they're probably nothing that nobody else has ever seen. Like, like diehard fans have probably seen these photos. They've probably been around. But I had never seen them, you know. Um, I, I had never actively pursued behind-the-scenes Part 6 stuff. And so it was new to me. And, you know, it was one of those things that you don't really see it in the movie, you know. You don't see it hardly at all, to be honest. Um, and so these, little, these, these two little grainy Polaroids were all that I had to go off of. And, um, you know, I just I just put myself in the confines of that box and I was like, OK, you know, let's let's keep within these boundaries, but fill in the blanks the best way you know how. And that's what I did. And it definitely reads like part six, Jason. You know, so I think I did a good job there. Um, you can look at it and tell what it is. So that's always a plus. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but. And that one was very well received. I was very, very, very surprised. You know, um, it's probably one of the most successful pieces I've done. Uh, people went, I'm not going to say people went crazy over it, but, but you know, it got, it, it got around, you know, and I was, I, was, I was very surprised because, you know, again, like I said earlier, it's, I'm not sitting here doing anything that hasn't been done before. Um, but they liked it, you know, and it was one of those characters, you know, that, you know, even though there's been at least a dozen part six mass sculptures over the years, you know, uh, there hadn't been one recently. So <laughs> had you thought about doing that in a silicone version? Um, I have, I have, I, I ended up opting for latex for this version just because um, I wanted to keep, keep it affordable. And it was one of those things that, you know, um, you don't really see it a whole lot in the movie. So you don't really see how it moves or anything, you know, so I didn't really think it needed to be silicone. Now, I do, I would love to do one silicone. I think it would be awesome, you know. Um, you know, but when I think about masks that need to be silicone, I, I, I go to the Part 7. I'm like, man, the Part 7 has to be silicone because of the movement, you know. The movement of the facial appliance in that film is, is very, very, very substantial. And you just can't get that with latex. You know, the mask that I have, the Part 7 mask that I do, the bust that I do, if you want a wearable version, you know, it's a little tight, you know, it, I mean, I can make it to where it's a little bit tight. And so, you know, if I open the mouth up, you can get a little, a little bit of that movement, but nothing compared to what you would be able to get in silicone. You know, there are silicone masks out there. There, there, there is actually a part seven silicone mask out there. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Um, that's, that's, I mean, the movement in that thing is too cool. It's too cool. You know, it is too cool. And I know what you're talking about. And it's the same with the silicone part six that I've seen. And they, it's almost like they forgot to vacuum the silicone, the air out of the silicone before they cast it. So it had a bunch of bubbles inside of it or weak points for ripping. Sure, sure. And oh my, I'm just, I, I am. Uh, so, uh, whenever you're doing the, the part seven, I mean, you were, 
I mean, at Maskfest, you were right across the way from John Carl Beekler. Yes, yes. And that was uh, that was kind of a surreal moment for me. You know, I was I was sitting there. You know, when I was setting up the figure, you know, we had just finished putting the figure together, and uh, you know, and this is Thursday night, you know, before the show, and um, it, you know, everybody's kind of setting up and kind of dilly dallying and getting ready to leave, and uh, you know, some I, uh, you know somebody taps me on my shoulder, <laughs> and before I can turn around. You know, I you know I, I I hear him say, "Well, that's a real nice Jason you got there." And so I turn around, and it's and it's John John Beekler, you know. And I'm like, "Holy cow!" You're I was like, "How you doing, John?" Oh my god, you know. And uh, you know that was that was that was pretty neat. And he was like, "I love it." He was like, "This is fantastic. It's absolutely killer. Good job," you know. And over the course, and I I had never met John Beekler before, and so it was kind of a surreal like. Oh, Oh, what do I say? I'm just a bumbling idiot, sweaty palms, you know. And uh, so, over the course of the show, uh, I'm you know I'm not far away from it at all, and I'm peeking my head around the curtain, like, is he at his table? Can I go? Should I go talk to him? Oh, I'm scared, <laughs> you know. And uh, so finally, my my uh, my girlfriend, who's I've, I've been we've been together forever, and she's been with me through all this madness. Uh, she's like, absolutely, you should go talk to him. You know, you know, work up your, you know, get some balls, walk over there and have a conversation with him. Geez, he's he's sitting right there. He's literally, you know, literally fifteen feet from you, <laughs> not even. And so, um, you know, I I had brought, I don't know why, I you know, the very first copy of the part seven that I ever did, the very first pull out of the mold, I foam filled it for myself, you know, because I'd always wanted one. You know, mm-hmm. and, and after all, that's why we're in this business because just to make stuff that we've always wanted when we were kids. So, yeah. um, you know, I made one for myself. It was the very first one, and I and I I, uh, I uh, gave it to my friend Lance. Um, and he's had it at his studio for probably about a year, year and a half, and uh, he just brought it with him to Maskfest, and he just brought it with him, you know. Uh, and he was like, here, you know, for your table, like if you if you sell a bunch of stuff and you need something else on your table for people to look at, you know, you can put this out there. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And sure enough, you know, Sunday, the show was kind of winding down and I still hadn't worked up the guts to call or to go over and talk to John. And um, at that point, I had sold a few things, more than a few things, you know, and so the table was kind of bare and I was toying with the idea of putting up this this Part 7 bust. It was the very first Part 7 bust I'd ever made with the shirt and everything and the chain. And um, I, I didn't want to put it up there. I didn't want to put it on the table because... If somebody offers me money for it, I'm gonna take it. You know, like right. it's one of those things where it's already there. And hey, if they offer a couple hundred bucks, you better take it. One of those things, you know. But I didn't want to because it was like a significant piece for me. It's one of the first things that I ever did on my own, not working for somebody else. Because I'm a young guy. I might sound old on the microphone, but I'm a young dude. And uh, so, you know, uh, Jess, my girlfriend, she was like, "You ought to take that over there." And 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 at least talk to him about it. You're gonna regret it if you don't. The man's not getting any younger. You might not have another shot, you know. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. This this may never happen to me again, you know. And so I just I did. You know, I said to, I took it over. I walked over to him and I talked to him about it. And he loved it. He thought it was cool. And so we chit chatted back and forth. And I told him everything I told you guys about, you know, part seven. Jason is the whole reason I've I'm. And this, you know, is one of the hugest influences for me as a kid growing up, you know, and the whole reason I wanted to do this stuff was because of that, of these movies, but particularly that one, you know? Mm-hmm. 
you know, and he was, he was, you know, I don't know, you know, he got a little misty eyed and, you know, and, 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 you know, he was like, can I, you know, sign something for you? Like, I want to sign something for you. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll totally pay you. And he, and he wouldn't even let me pay him. You know, he was like, no, he's like, you don't, you don't have to, it's fine. You know? And so he did, he signed me some stuff and took, you know, took a picture with him and it was, it was, it was, it was cool. You know, it was a very neat experience to say the least. I mean, he, he is, I, I had the pleasure of talking to him for uh, a little while uh, when he wasn't busy. And I mean, just what a great guy he is. He is. And people don't understand. Like that was what, that was what kept getting to me. Over the whole weekend, like I was, every time I would look over there, nobody's at the table. Like people are just walking on by, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? That's John Carl Beekler. Are you kidding me? Like, you should have tons of people over there, you know, picking his brain because the guy's done so. His body of work is enormous, enormous, to say the least. Yes, and he's had his hands in every, pretty much every major slasher franchise out there. The guys, he's been around for a long time, you know. Yeah, yeah, and. So it was cool to go over and talk to him about that, you know, and I'm, I know it's, you know, I know it's just Jason, quote unquote, that's, you know, a lot of artists, I get artists all the time that are like, man, why are you still doing Jason stuff? And I'm like, you know what? Screw you. <laughs> don't, don't. And then they're doing a clown. Yeah. Or something like that. You know, I'm like, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't get, you, you don't have the opportunity to put a lid on my creativity, sir. It's like, don't, <laughs> don't put me in your box. Thank you. I will make what I want to make. And as long as it's putting bread on my table, I'm not going to stop doing it. So, but it was a cool experience. I, I absolutely loved it. You know, he's such a nice guy. Very down to earth. Very, very, very cool. You know, um, so if anybody's listening who hasn't had a chance to meet him, and if you get a chance to meet him, you won't be sorry. He's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Just an absolute great guy. Um so, Brandon, are you going to be doing any? I know we're winding down on the con season. Are you going to be doing any other cons? Uh, honestly, the only one that I do every year is 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 Mask Fest. That's the only one I go to. Um, I, I just, I, I, you know, it's hard. You know, the horror con community is a very specific type of crowd, um, mm-hmm. and it's, and it, and it's it would be hard for me. It's typically the same crowd. You know, if you go to Cincinnati or if you go to Indianapolis, chances are you're going to run into the same people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you go to Chicago at Days of the Dead or if you go to, you know, I mean, you know, outside of, you know, Mad Monster Party. I go to Mad Monster Party every now and then, which is in Charlotte. Um, but Mask Fest is the big one. That's the one that's like you pull out all the stops. You do something cool. You do something big. You do something crazy. And for me anyway, that's, that's what it is. And it's, it's kind of one of the, I mean, I mean, you know, it's very, very rare that you find yourself in an opportunity to be around hundreds of people that are just as passionate and just as creative and just as into this as you are very, very rare. And, and for me, that's mask fest, you know, you're, I mean, I mean, when you want to talk about masks and horror and, 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 and collectibles in that market, you have some of the best sculptors in the world in that room. I mean, by the dozens, you know, and it's just so impressive every year and it gets better and better and bigger and bigger, you know, and it's the greatest mask show on earth. That's no question. That's no doubt about it. No doubt about that. And none. <laughs> it, 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 it is. If you haven't been to mask fest in Indianapolis, 
go. Uh, you are wrong. If you are a horror fan, if you enjoy anything uh, mask related or horror related, you need to go to Mask Fest Indianapolis. Absolutely. You know, and it's two birds and one stone, you know, because you have Horror Hound happening at the same time. And they're in the same place and two for one tickets. You get into one, you get into the other. You know, it's 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 crazy. It's madness. Perfect madness. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, there's the evening parking lot madness. Oh, man. So many booze. So much cigarettes. Like, it's it's crazy. Um, it's never a dull moment, that's for sure. You know, I mean, you know, you want to talk about just running into people, you know, you could, you know, you'd have a beer with the cast of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. It's like, what? This is crazy, you know? Um, right. It's wild. It's, 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 it's definitely an experience. It's, it's, so that's why that, that, that's the one that I do every year. Typically, my schedule is pretty full with uh, working at different studios, you know, working at the one here in Charlotte or sometimes working with Lance down in South Carolina. Um, or just trying to keep track of my own thing and 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 keeping my own product line fresh and you know vitalized and accessible and stuff of that nature, and that's why Mask Fest kind of pans out because you know that's where we all go. <laughs> so it's kind of like all the places that I would work for are closed because they're all going to Mask Fest. So it's kind of mm-hmm. it kind of works out, you know. So it's kind of like you know. We, we we all go to Mask Fest kind of together. It's kind of like a little com, you know, like a convoy of just monsters. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy lucky. So, Brandon, uh, how can our fans get a hold of you if they want to purchase a bust, a mask, or anything else that you offer? Oh well, um, you can uh, find me on Etsy. Uh, it's Mad Science Studios. You know, if you type in Mad Science Studios, it's one of the first things that pops up in Google, if not the first one. You know. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. I'm pretty friendly. Um, I keep all of my work photos public. So even if you don't want to add me as a friend, you can still subscribe and look. Um, you can also find the Facebook page. You, again, if you just Facebook Mad Science Studios, shows up right away. Um, and you can also, I believe, it let links directly to the web store as well. So uh, it's pretty easy to get in touch with me. Um, I may not, you know, if I'm super busy, I might not answer right away, but I will definitely answer. That's one of the most important things for me is communication, especially when you're dealing in made-to-order collectibles. You know, it's always important to let everybody know what's going on. So um, I, that's all I got. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. It was great talking to you, Brandon. And uh, I hope to meet you again soon, sir. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate you guys having me. Um, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Well, thank you for being on the show. I mean, it's it's you guys that keep us keep us putting out shows every week. And thank you so much for taking time out of your night to talk to us. I appreciate it. And I know the rest of the crew does, too. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the same can be said on my end. If it wasn't for Friday the 13th fans, I might not be doing this. So. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever the hell you listen to the show. If you want to support the show financially, head over to campbloodpodcast.com slash donate. If you think you or someone you know should be featured on the show, you can hit us up on the website under the contact tab or comment on the show notes at campbloodpodcast.com slash 71. 
A special thanks goes out to the Downriver Rat for our intro and outro music. You can check out his music at thedownriverrat.com. Until next time. Thank you.